My name is Andrea Carpenter and I'm the Director of Diversity Talks Real Estate and I'm delighted to be hosting this new podcast series from the Urban Land Institute. ULI brings together real estate and land use experts from around the world with the mission to shape the future of the built environment and to make transformative impact in communities and this series of podcasts has focused on that future and that transformative impact. For our final podcast of the series, we have something a bit different. I'm pleased to introduce Ronan O'Neill, Associate Capital Markets at Heinz, and Philip Brownvalder, Head of Business Development Administration at Real PM. Ronan and Philip have been the brains behind this series of podcasts, where we've heard from a group of outstanding contributors of the industry, or the new real estate vanguard, as we have called them. Both Ronan and Philip are on the ULI Young Leaders Committee and have helped select, invite and organise the podcasts. We thought it'd be interesting to hear a bit more about them and what they wanted to achieve from this initiative. So, Ronan and Philip, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Ronan, um, tell us how the idea for these podcasts came about. Sure. I think we were used to seeing a lot of publications and media outlets in, in Europe who cover real estate have their own kind of way of, of recognising talent in the industry, be it through Rising Stars or, or something similar. And oftentimes it was through um, a press release where they'd have you know, maybe five or ten names, a bit of a bio and, and some of their achievements and just leave it at that. And oftentimes I was reading about you know these young, talented people across Europe who've achieved so much at such a, a young age. And I wanted to know more about the person, you know, how, how they got there, what they did and um, what I could learn from them. And we then thought that through the platform of, of the ULI, by giving younger talent a voice and actually giving people the opportunity to hear about the person's story, how they got to where they are today and what they actually also recommend to people starting in the industry. And, and Philip, how easy or difficult it was it to sort of narrow down that group of potential interviewees? I think it was it was difficult because of the the constraints around geographical diversity. Um, we're a European platform, and so we wanted um, good representation, and uh, that made it a little bit more challenging. And how did you achieve that? We we were lucky to have um, ULI Young Leader Chairs in in most European countries. So we did a, an outreach program. We arranged calls with them and also people in the individual industries just to find out about people in their market um, who they've heard of uh, or you know, people who, who've also achieved a lot at such a young age in order to ensure that we got that geographical diversification. As ULI in Europe, it's, it's a European organisation. We, um, we wanted to make sure that, that was um, fairly represented in, in the selection process. And also it, it was quite hard in, in, in terms of actually narrowing it down to 10 because um, there's so many people from so many different backgrounds in the real estate industry who are actually making an impact to the built environment, be it someone as obvious, you know, someone working in acquisitions to an architect to then someone in with an executive search firm, right? They're all impacting the built environment in their own way. Um, and sometimes with, with the traditional um, media outlets, they don't recognize um, that. And having the ULI as a, as a broad organization within real estate and having the outreach and, and being aware of the people in the local markets who, who are making that impact was, was really helpful. Yeah, I think I really like that you recognized, as you say, entrepreneurs who were really kind of out on their own doing things, but also those who were inside companies affecting change. As you say, I think that's sometimes missed out just because you're in a traditional work environment doesn't mean to say you're not innovative and not entrepreneurial. So, Philip, why do you think this is such a strong period for innovation and disruption among the younger generations? 
Okay, I think there are a few factors here. The, the growth of the tech industry, the fact that younger generations are more demanding about their workplace, about their work-life balance, and also um, the fact that, that real estate has had to adapt to its clients and the demands around ESG, around what, what you know, the new generations want to see in their places of work and where, and where they live. Rony, do you think there are certain conditions that attract entrepreneurial spirit to the real estate industry at the moment? Yeah, I think now in the industry, there's a real startup culture. People aren't afraid to go out by themselves. You don't have to do the traditional route of the investment banking into a real estate private equity firm to become successful in the industry anymore. You've seen from the, the different people we selected, they all have their own ways of getting to where they are today. Very few had the traditional, you know, working for the large corporations. But I think um, technology's enabled that as well. The fact that it's about very different and new ideas, right? Yeah, I think um, we're seeing a lot of new trends um, coming from the way we live, we work, we play. And that's passed down into real estate, which was traditionally a very, you know, slow and, and old school industry. And you now have this new generation which are which are coming through, which have that entrepreneurial flair, who are coming up with new ideas. And now it's much more easier to get financing, which, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was one of the, one of the main obstacles for someone who wanted to go out by themselves. And Philip, who do you think is your favourite guest? So I think in terms of the concepts, I'd say the collective and retail as a service concepts were the ones that I found most impressive in terms of I wish I thought of those ideas. But in terms of the, my favourite, I would say it was it was um, Ines uh, Mirosan's concept. And I would say that because I think that is what I would probably like to work in if I had a choice. So she was doing hospitality. She has a very um, funky hotel in Barcelona. What did you like about that concept? I like the fact that she could be creative while having a successful business and she could incorporate community into her idea and do something a little bit different, but at the same time, create a brand. Yeah, and I think that was one of the ones that I found most memorable because she you know, kept the business going during the lockdown because it wasn't a, a place where people, international people or tourists come and go. It was a place where she, she kind of served the community as well. Yeah. yeah. And Ronan, who was your favourite guest? I would think I'd have to go with Tanya. Um, I think just in the industry where we are today, diversity is, you know, the forefront of every business. And to see what how powerful an executive firm like Bohol could be in influencing the, the industry. Um, you know, first of all, rec recruiting the talent is, is one of the main starting points. And it's very hard for a company to do that. And to see the efforts they're going to in order to try and achieve this was something I just hadn't really thought about um, as much. And I thought it was very interesting just to, just to see what, what different companies are coming to them with in terms of how do we achieve diversity? You know, what, what do we need to do? And as real estate is probably quite far behind than compared to most different industries, it, it's important, I think, that we have, you know, the executive firm starting from the initial the initial search, right? And my, and they're not just focusing on hiring people from real estate. They are, they're also considering people outside in order to bring them in because the diversity also has to come as well from the university and how they're taught and, and where they go, um, which can be very hard because there's very few real estate options throughout Europe. And having, I think, the optionality 
of going beyond real estate to recruit into real estate was was something I found really interesting. Yeah, I think they can push the industry to try new ideas by finding new people. And yeah. I and I feel like we will start to see a lot more people from out inside industry maybe bring their transferable skills in from a leadership point of view. Absolutely. And I think that's something the industry has lacked, right? It was always, oh, how many years experience within the industry have they had before you can be considered for a position? But now there's so so many transferable skills. They're all quite similar. If you look at private equity, if you look at investment banking, real estate, then you can see that actually there's a lot of things which are transferable and they can work within real estate. But that allows to have a broader reach in terms of recruiting people into the industry and not just focusing on the small little part. Um, which yeah, we, the which same we, pool. Yeah, the exactly, same pool. which we've done. Phil, do you have that point? That Yeah, I was going to well? say that I think that ESG is going to push this too because a lot of the factors, you know, with embodied carbon supply chain, there'll be a lot of transferable skill sets from other industries that will become very relevant to real estate. And I think tech becomes another leveler again, right? You know, there might be ideas from other industries that work here. So suddenly you may be finding solutions kind of across industries. What would be your most interesting takeaway? You talked about the concepts that you liked um, from the the ones that you wish you'd thought up. Yeah, I I mean, there's, there are concepts, especially around Francis Fryram concept, that, that really wowed me. Um, but if my main takeaway, I would say, from the series as a whole, was the emphasis on community. I think that that was a common theme that ran through pretty much the whole series, going from Tanya's looking at it from, a, from an HR perspective and the community you want to work in in the office, to Marion Waller, who's looking at... Um, you know, the 15-minute city in Paris and, the, and and building communities that don't have to leave the area. And then, you know, to sustainability, to the collective, with, whether he's building communities, Ines is building communities with the hotel and interacting with her local community. So it ran through pretty much the whole series. And that's something that surprised me because I think 20 years ago or 30 years ago, that would not have been the common theme of a, of a series like this. Yeah, I think you're right. But do you think it's the younger generation that fosters that more in their ideas? I think it does. And I think, as I mentioned, it's also the demand now of, of, of clients and of, of, of consumers. They want to see that. I think Jonathan mentioned when, he, when they sell real estate, they want to sell it to people that will treat it sustainably, the, the assets. That is what we have today in today's business and in today's real estate industry, that you have to be sustainable and you can't just put the profit first. Ronan, what was your most interesting takeaway or what surprised you the most? I just think the amount of various elements to real estate in the built environment that the people are touching on. Um, You know, you had so many different backgrounds and also getting to where they are today. Um, It wasn't all the traditional routes, which I think is important now. And there's different avenues opening up. And there's different opportunities for people, especially when they come up with with their own concepts, such as Reza for at the collective or Ines um, for her hotel. And I think it's exciting just to see that kind of entrepreneurial spirit among the younger generation and not being afraid to go out by themselves. Yeah, I think quite a few of them actually just did a few years in the traditional part of their industry, almost to to be able to know what they wanted to do differently, which I thought was a really interesting aspect of it. And. Do you think um, there are common themes among the work of the interviewees? Um, Phil, you mentioned community. Is there anything else that you think unites this group, even though they were chosen from you know quite a wide wide range of sectors and countries? 
Yeah, I think they all they all want to make the world a better place. That was clear. I mean, Alice made it most clear. Mm. But they all they they're all open-minded and think and thinking about their role as a leader beyond maybe the business that they're in. So purposeful, being purposeful about what they did. Yeah. Yeah. What what which of the topics do you think are most relevant for today and which are kind of the ones that are still got some way to go in terms of being more important in the future? So I think retail as a service is something that's very important in this day because obviously with the the death of of the high street and with um a lot of confusion on you know how how the retail industry is going to going to go forwards i think retail as a service makes a lot of sense i'm i, I don't know if what france has proposed is is the 100% the answer i think neither does he but there's definitely going to be some sort of link between online and offline experiential shopping and buying things online i think that going forwards prop tech going to become much more important just because it's going to make the industry more efficient, a lot leaner and therefore will have cost savings. And I think from a again going back to the community element and work-life balance and basically happiness in the workplace and 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 fostering good ideas and and having the right environment, I think that uh, HR hiring is 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 going to continue to be very important. Diversity is not just a buzzword. Companies need, and 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 it's good to see that they are looking to hire people from different backgrounds with different views. That you know, when they're all together, can drive a company forward. Um, we've we've moved away from just hiring people in your own image and having a lot of people just say the same things. Yeah, and really any points to add to that? There's a notion of some of these ideas are very now, and some might take time to bed in. Yeah, I, I think in the last you know few years, the different topics which which Phil mentioned is, it's coming around, it's getting there, but it's is it being implemented you know as as well as it should be? Probably not. But I think we're we're getting there. We're starting. I think the main part is in the diversity. People are talking about it now. It companies have to take it seriously, and people are just are willing to to actually not take a job or not go to a firm who who doesn't show that they're they are taking it seriously. So it's it's important I think that we are seeing progress, some results, and I think uh over the next few years hopefully we will see more. And there's a few questions that we ask all our interviewees, so I think you should probably have the same. I mean, Ronan, what advice would you have for someone starting out in real estate? It's very important to get out and not just be so one-minded or one-dimensional on just your your job and your firm to join organizations like the ULI or InRev and, and meet like-minded like people. It's so important that there's different parts of real estate. You know, it's not just you, the the route that you're in or the firm that you're in. There's so many different interesting people who work and impact the built environment. And just being out there and meeting those people and building your network and you know getting your name out there is, is just so important. And have you been able to do that during the pandemic? Is that something you've now done virtually rather than in person? Yeah, virtually was, I think, the only way forward. The ULI did very good, as did a lot of other organisations in having virtual events. It's still not the same as meeting people in person. But, you know, I think the, as our generation, we, we thrive on, you know, networking and meet, meeting new people. The ULI membership for the young leaders across Europe has 
you know, gone up 20, 30% since the start of COVID. It just shows that by even having virtual events, it, it works and, and people are willing to, to join an organisation which shows that, that, that they'll organise them. And, and Phil, what would be your kind of advice for someone coming into real estate? I think you need to be open-minded and understand what it is you want to be doing in your day-to-day um, role within the firm. So um, I, I'm going to, I'm concentrating more on what people do, you know, in their job. And I think that you shouldn't just think in terms of, you know, acquisition versus development versus asset management. You need to understand what's going to make you happy and who are you going to work for? Because who you're going to work for and what you're going to be doing day to day will be more important than the name of the company and the role and the job title. So, um, Phil, why don't you give us some recommendations from you for some of the books you might have read, business books that have inspired you as well. It's something we ask all our interviewees. Yeah, so a book that I've read quite recently is Real Estate Titans uh, by Erez Cohen. It's a book that when I tried to buy it in the shops, it was sold out, which is a a good sign. But it it covers um, a lot of these sort of global real estate tycoons and is a really good read for people uh, who want to sort of know what it's like to have made it. And can you give us an idea of who those tycoons are? Um, Yeah, so people like Ron Tarvilliger from Tamil Crow, uh, Zamzel. There's a guy called Urs Lederman, who's who's a a Zurich real estate tycoon. Okay, so it's profiles of them. And what about any podcasts as well? Podcasts, I have not got any uh, that I listen to that often. Working on this one's been all the podcast exposure that, um, that I've had this year. Although I did actually listen to... The Swisspreneur podcast after Mario Fraccionetti's interview, because that did interest me, and I and I and I listened to a podcast by a guy called John Brzezinski, who is being innovative and just trying to disrupt the vending machine industry. Oh, okay, I like yeah. the idea that there's an yeah. every industry has disruption. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, what about you, uh, Ronan? Any podcasts or books that have inspired you? Yeah, one of my go-to's during the, the last twelve months was Desert Island Risks by by Emily Boho. Um, so I think she did a really good job on interviewing people throughout the industry. You had people like Rick Lewis and, and Keith Breslar, um, who I think, you know, the industry needs more of those kind of people um, who've done so much, not just for real estate, but also uh, on the philanthropy side. Um, and it just shows that, again, they, they were they were focused on making a difference. Um, you know, they sit on so many boards and are involved in so many charities and, and they do their part. Um, I think it's really important that the younger generation and the people coming up in the industry hear from these people um, and, it, it, you know, take inspiration from it. So I think it was great listening to, to Emily's um, podcast and interviewing them and hearing their background. Just something, you know, you wouldn't hear every day. Um, They're quite personal, which I, I thought was really, really nice. Okay, any books? Yeah, um, Stephen Schwartzman, um, he's the CEO of Blackstone, wrote one called What It Takes. Um, and I thought that was a, an interesting one. He, he, he kind of started, you know, from basically zero um, with Blackstone and it gave the story of how it got to where it is today. Um, and working myself in the, in the fundraising side, a, a lot of the book focused on that at the start and how, you know, he can kind of need to create a bit of his own look to get a few investors in at the start. And it was just something I just didn't know that it that struggle existed. You know, you see him today and he's so successful and it's one of the largest companies in, in the world. But, uh, you know, 25 years ago, 30 years ago when he started, he also struggled, right? And you see it as well. Some of the people we interviewed, it wasn't, you know, straightforward from the start. They all had their own struggles in getting it off the ground. And 
they get, I suppose that's the entrepreneur's spirit and that's how people thrive and become successful is, is getting through that. So there was a way of seeing, you know, some similar traits among, among the people, I think. Yeah, I think you've done a great job in bringing the younger generation in. But, you know, you learned from that there was a previous younger generation who had different types of struggles and different types of opportunities, I think. So uh, big questions. Are there is there plans for either an, um, a next season of podcasts, maybe something different or the same? Phil? Yeah, I mean, this was the prototype and we're very happy with how it went got a lot of listens i think that now that there's momentum there's also a lot more excitement within the uli for this podcast series and i think that yeah we'll we'll definitely launch it again exactly yeah i think it's it's very interesting to see people from 40 different countries actually Mm -hmm. listen to the podcast so despite us you know launching as kind of a european initiative it it appealed to a wider audience and it shows i suppose the power of of social media in, in getting the reach and this was an opportunity to give the different speakers a platform and the ULI is such a strong brand. So, you know, we're hoping that people found it interesting and, and listening to the people's backgrounds and how they got to where they are today. But the second one, I think, will be will be easier in getting it, you know, launched and, and getting some traction. Yeah, you'll have some people putting their hands up to be interviewed, I think. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and finally, how can, um, Ronan, how can you get involved in Young Leaders, um, you know, wherever you are in the world for the ULI? Yeah, sure. So there is on the ULI website, there is the young leader section, which which goes through all the individual country heads of each region. And there's also information on, on events that we hold. Well, I think it's got a great, it's a, it's a great formula of education, career and the personal touch. Um, it's a very open community. You can reach out to people, they will answer. Everyone wants to help each other at the ULI. And this resonates with with the members. Great. Okay. Well, Ronan and Philip, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. To find out more about the other episodes of this series, go to the Young Leaders page on the ULI Europe website. Mm-hmm.